0: We have two passages from the New Testament as our scripture today, one from the Gospel of Matthew and the other from the Gospel of Luke. May God bless to us the reading of this scripture. And whenever you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one and from the Gospel of Luke. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be receptive to Thee, O God, our strength and our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. My job is to make things a little harder for you. Now, you might think that I'm wrong about that. I mean, you might think that my job is actually the opposite, to make things easier for you. I suppose that that's worth a chat because in some ways, you might be right. Worship, sermons, the life of faith and prayer in the church can give you comfort. They can bring you peace. They can offer you friendship and they can show you a blessed way of life. And that should make things easier, right? Good enough. But that kind of easier isn't actually easy at all. I mean, all that's on offer in the life of faith are actually high callings, and it takes some time to discover that calling and to perfect it, and even a lifetime, and not a single one of us finally gets there fully. The height and depth and length of faith invite us they invite us to explore to practice and to do some work i'm selling you a bill of goods if i tell you anything different than that now faith is a gift for sure we don't manufacture it and we don't earn it it comes from god But like the gift of any living thing, it takes nurture and it takes care. And faith is a living thing. It's not a product that we buy. Take prayer, for example. That's a good place to start. Anne Lamott is a spiritual writer that many of you may know. She is well-known throughout the land, and she is still inspiring us. One of her books is a short and well-thought conversation about prayer that she simply calls Help, Thanks, Wow, Three Essential Prayers. Now, I like the book. I recommend the book, and I assure you that you won't be sorry if you read the book, if you do. I just disagree with the book. Not because it's wrong, but because I think it's just too easy. It's an example of the way of thinking, of a way of thinking about prayer that wants us to think that it's enough to just utter from our gut, "Help, thanks, or wow." to pray. Frederick Buechner, another spiritual writer, is another example of this way of thinking about prayer. He writes that everybody prays whether he or she thinks of it as praying or not. The odd silence we fall into when something very beautiful is happening or something very good or very bad. The ah that sometimes floats up out of you. Whatever words or sounds you use for sighing over your own life. Now that's a beautifully true idea on the face of it. You and I should be honest enough with our creator to offer any one of those feelings right from our insides up and out to however God knows God's self to be. It can't hurt to be authentic with God or even spontaneous. You should try it if you haven't. But please don't think that that's enough. Please don't think that that'll take you all the way to the height and depth and length of participation in God, which is where the life of prayer wants to take us. And please don't think that the height and depth and length of prayer is only for mystics. It's for accountants, too. It's even for lawyers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is another theologian worth listening to on prayer. He wrote during the Nazi era in Germany, and in opposition to what he saw happening in the world around him, demanding attention. When writing about prayer, he said that it is what he called a dangerous error to think that the heart prays by itself. Prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart, he wrote. It means rather to find a way to God which cannot be done alone. The richness of the word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our heart, he added. Now this, he said, at a time when there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for careful contemplation. Now it's an odd thought, that, isn't it? That our communication with God would be governed by God and not by us? As if there is more to prayer than closing our eyes and talking to God? That's a new idea for some of us, but that's it exactly. Deepest prayer begins in God, not in us. That doesn't mean that the heartfelt, simple sharing with God quietly in our hearts or aloud on our, with our words isn't prayer. It is for sure, but it just means that there is more. There is more of prayer to learn and more of prayer to do and more of prayer to experience. The deep way of prayer that I'm talking about and yearning for is a way of giving all of life over to God. It can mean depending on the wisdom of a tradition that we don't always understand. It can mean saying things in a way that might not always feel natural. And it can mean letting the practice of prayer change what we value and what we want, even what we pray for. And it is also a way of giving others over to God, even strangers, even enemies, So let me put it this way, in a time when it is so easy to say to someone, you're in my prayers, or to think that the answer of faith to the things that concern us is, just pray about it, or to hear a pastor say, when all else seems fruitless, at least we can pray, the six million dollar question for us is, what does that mean? Does prayer come from the inside or the outside? The answer is yes. Is prayer beginning the beginning of Christian life, or is prayer the seasoned fruit of a cultivated faith? The answer to that is yes. Is prayer our communication with God or God's communication with us? The answer to that is yes. Do we have to learn about this odd thing called prayer? Oh, yes. <laughs> And all of this might be a lesson about faith itself. For as Will Williman, who has graced this pulpit before, has said, Christianity is not so much a set of beliefs that we must affirm. It is more nearly a prayer that we must learn. Learning to pray is what it means to be Christian before anything else. And yet for some of us, pastors included, it's what we spend probably the least amount of time that we budget for our faith on. But if we take that time and learn to pray, we might experience the Holy Spirit in a way that another spiritual writer has talked about, Henry Nouwen, who spoke about when he wrote that in prayer, we slowly experience a reorientation of all of our thoughts and feelings about ourselves and others. To pray is to desire to know more fully the truth that sets us free. Prayer uncovers the hidden motives and unacknowledged wounds that shape our relationships Prayer allows us to see ourselves and others as God sees us. Prayer is radical because it uncovers the deepest roots of our identity in God. In prayer, we seek God's voice and allow God's word to penetrate our fear and our resistance so that we can begin to hear what God wants us to know. Those are remarkable, true words. And you see what I mean? They're a pretty high calling. Now, we know all of this about prayer, because according to Luke, One day after Jesus was out praying in a way that only he knew how, his disciples came up to him, curious about what he was doing, and one of them asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we also know all of this because according to Matthew Jesus taught them to pray alongside of a whole group of other practices that lie at the core of faith, a lie at the core of what it means to follow Him, that have to be learned, like generosity, or peacemaking, or humility, and more. So, for the next five weeks, we are going to think about Jesus' response to that world-changing question from his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. And we're going to take our lead from the fact that Jesus' answer to that question wasn't a lecture on prayer technique. It was an example. We can talk about when to pray and how to pray later, he seems to say. But when you do pray, Try it like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from evil. That's it. That's the Lord's Prayer, the great example. Now, our tradition has added yet another line, as you probably know, that is so essential to the meaning of this prayer and so perfect a response to it that the editors of the Bible actually wrote it right in to the Bible in later manuscripts, so it appears in many versions. We pray it still today, and you know it. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. The Lord's Prayer. These are such important words. We teach them to our children, and we recite them when we get together. We pray them loud at deathbeds or when we don't know what else to say to God. These words matter so much that many of us get pretty uncomfortable when when someone says them differently than how we're used to hearing them, even though they have been translated in so many ways over the ages. Again, look at the insert in your bulletin and take it with you to learn a few of those ways each one of them bringing out a little different meaning. Those words are so powerful that they can guide our priorities and shape our faith if we let them. They can get into our bones and mold, our hearts and change our view of life in the ways that I described in those words from Henry Nouwen just a minute ago. So here's a promise for you while these six sermons that reverend lawson dr hegeman and i will offer from these words will never be enough to teach you to pray if you let them nudge you just a little bit and pray a little bit more they'll set you on a path a new path if you're new to prayer A further path if you're an old hand at prayer. They also might challenge you a little bit by suggesting that God doesn't care quite so much about some of the things that we often put first in our prayers and that Jesus does have something to teach us about all of this. And so here's our lessons for this first week of this series. First, there is much about prayer that has to be learned. Second, Jesus teaches us to pray backwards, from God's priorities back to ours. So whether our first prayer is folding our hands and repeating words said by others, as in our children's sermon, or a guttural cry of need or thanks or wonder, either way, as we mature in the life of faith, we let Jesus teach us new words and new ways to go further. And so third, we do this together. We do this together. So let me say a word about that to bring us home. The prayer Jesus teaches us binds us to others. I take that from the very first word that we pray in the Lord's Prayer in English. Our. Our God. Our Father. Not my. Our At the time Jesus taught his disciples to pray, there was little of the kind of personal prayer that we take for granted today. Prayer was with others in study or in worship at set times and in a holy language. And the shared prayer in Jesus's time usually began with A sentence that is still used today in many prayers from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Several of the phrases of the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught his disciples come out of the prayers that are then recited in worship. And Jesus pulls from them and puts them together in a way that crystallizes what he wants to impress on our hearts. But Jesus does more than just synthesize and edit words that his followers had already heard. For when he offered them the prayer that we're going to look at these next few weeks, he appears appears to have not taught them those prayers in Hebrew which was the sacred language, and which is how his disciples might have heard the lines he chose before. He seems to have given them this prayer in Aramaic. That may seem trivial, but it isn't, because Aramaic was the language of everyday life. It wasn't sacred it wasn't a thee and a thou kind of language. Jesus joined the prayer that he taught to everyday life. Even the language of the street. There is no sacred language for prayer and worship for Jesus. That simple shift had a profound impact on the world. For if there is no sacred language for prayer, there is no sacred Culture. And if there is no sacred culture, then we can share prayer with all people. Jesus belongs to no one people, or one era, or one nation. Nor does he belong to any one of us individually. Jesus comes from the people of Israel and becomes a gift for all. He joins us. To each other. He sees us in all of our connections with each other. And so, as I said before, he sees faith less in what we individually believe than in the ways in which we relate to and pray with and pray for others, even strangers, even enemies. What he teaches us about the lifelong hard work of prayer is available to everyone. That's how it is easy. It's easy not because it's simple, but because it's available even to us. And it binds us to each other. When you pray, you open your heart. So even if you pray the Lord's Prayer by yourself, you are always praying it spiritually with many others. For again, he didn't teach us to pray my God. He taught us to pray our God, our Father, in heaven. So, there is much about prayer that has to be learned. There's much about prayer that God will give us. And there's much about prayer that will bind us together. So let's go on the journey together, asking Lord, teach us to pray. Amen.